Welcome to Bloombox Growing Deeper. I'm Sarah. I'm Hannah. And we're on a mission to help you become the gardener you want to be. Hello, gardeners. We are here, hopefully on a cool day. We're pre-recording this on one of the hottest days we've had in a long time. It's like 104 here. Um, But hopefully early October, it is not. And it's a nice fall day to talk about fall tree planting. Uh, We have Heather Byers here from Great Plains Nursery to talk about some of our favorite trees and some tips for planting. Um, So we'll, we'll go ahead and start. Thank you for being here, Heather. Appreciate it. Um, Will you start just by telling us a little bit about Great Plains Nursery? Sure. Um, My husband, Brian, and I started Great Plains Nursery 15 years ago. This is our 15th year in business. Um, It's out on our farm north of Valparaiso, um, which is just about 30 minutes north of Lincoln. Uh, We focus on natives. We really love um, our environment. We love our birds and our insects. And so um, we wanted to really work on highlighting and providing habitat uh, when it came to all those things that our great environment provides for us. So we focus on natives and kind of the underutilized native plants that um, can do so much for us and really be the workhorse for our landscapes. Um, So we grow trees and shrubs. Um, We go as much as uh, trying to do as much local seed collecting as we can. So we're really focusing in on true natives for our ecosystem here uh, within the Great Plains region. Um, And we really love what we do. We have a great team of people um, that all work hard and really enjoy it and are very passionate about nature and about trees and shrubs. I think that's why we invited you for this. I think uh, Great Plains is a really good fit for our listeners looking for native species and and trying to learn what belongs um, in our area of Nebraska. And I love that you collect local seed. That was one of my favorite parts when I started uh, at NSA as an intern going out with Bob and collecting tree seeds. And uh, I just love that part of the fall, just being out in the nut orchards and and in people's tree collections and it's a wonderful way to observe trees oh yeah it's just like a great big scavenger hunt it's a ton of fun yep so we're going to talk a little bit about various trees to plant and i think we should start with what are some go-to trees this fall that we should be planting um these can be i think for our listeners just if you say i need to plant a tree probably something that's going to provide a lot of shade what are some things that people can just like plop in the ground which we're going to cover planting <laughs> later <laughs> plop in the ground just plop it in green side up and will be successful uh, hopefully and provide a lot of good benefits all right so when i think of big shade trees um First of all, I think of what's going on here in Nebraska with our um, our climate just keeps going all over the place. So we're really looking for the tried and true local uh, large maturing shade trees that can provide the bo- best bang for our buck when it comes to energy savings, casting as much shade as possible, drought tolerant and providing habitat and um, and all those good things that we need for the other things that live within our ecosystem. So starting out, I um American elm, that's kind of our old tried and true um, 
great big shade tree that used to line so many of our small towns. Um, we're so fortunate now with some of the new selections coming out um, that we can start planting American elm again. Um, it is a wonderful, fast-growing shade tree that just casts great deep shade, tough tree, um, very drought tolerant, very versatile, easy to use, um, a nice vase shape to it. Um, and um, we have one that we work with Bob um, on that is collected out by on Hastings College campus. So it's a true Nebraska native American elm. So I love that one. Um, Princeton is another nice selection that's been tried and true, has a nice shape to it. Doesn't get too out of control. Um, so I, I lean on American elm quite a bit. Elm was one of the first trees I remember learning in our Woody ID class with Dr. Sutton. Um, and I just remember how the ones he used to teach us were down by Hardin Hall. Mm-hmm. And they, they're kind of on their own, so that not like in a street tree setting. But their shape is so majestic. Yes. I mean, they're just the hugest fullest trees Mm -hmm. and one tree alone can cast so much shade i mean just the benefits of one tree i feel like elm is the tree that kids draw like it looks just you know how when kids are learning to just like color a tree Uh that's what it is i I never thought of that before (laughs) i love that Um, There are some newer hybrid elms that are out on the market now, and they're, goodness, there's a lot of them. Um, Every year it seems like two or three new ones come out. Um, And we've been playing around with them, but I really do appreciate the true American. I think the growth rate is... Uh, anytime that you hybridize plants, the growth rate accelerates, which can be a good thing and a bad thing on the basis when it comes to elms of growing too fast that they just kind of get out of control. And it can be a lot to manage in the future years of maintaining a nice shape. And here in Nebraska, we have ice and snow load and a lot of wind. So we have to mitigate that with a nice structure of a tree. So um, so those are things to consider. Um, but I just, that's where, there's a few of the hybrids that I do like that I think are okay, but um, I just go back to True American. Mm-hmm. Right, and just some early young tree pruning will help mm-hmm. with a lot of that, big right? Difference. Yes, and those early years can make such a big difference. Mm-hmm. Okay, our next that we have on our list we wrote is linden, which is one of my favorites. I love, it's it's not like lilac strong, but the smell that their flowers mm. have is just like really light and springy. Um, I mean, the tree is wonderful, but I just get distracted by the sweet smell of their flowers in the spring. Oh, yes. It's kind of reminds me of um, coffee tree can be this way, too, where you it just you hear it before you even approach it. You know, with linden, you also get to smell it, which is so great. Yeah. But the bees just love that tree. So it's it's a gorgeous tree in a great shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I stayed at a bed and breakfast in Denver this summer, and it was it was the garden themed uh place so that that helped but the uh innkeeper had picked linden flowers from her tree at home and had them on their little tea station so that you could make a bedtime linden tea and i got really excited about that and i i I think she appreciated my excitement i hope i didn't kind of weird her out (laughs) this place is made for you Uh oh my gosh um, Linden, the only thing I would say about Linden, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later, though, uh, is sticky, <laughs> right? It can be a little sticky, a little sappy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe not over where you park your car. Yeah. I would say. Good call. But other than that, 
perfect. Mm -hmm. However, you know, as I told on this podcast, I almost died from an ash tree falling on me not long ago. (laughs) So anything can fall on you and hurt things. Um, But that's why it's important to manage well. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we get a lot of questions when I say Linden to, to um, home homeowners that'll ask about the Japanese beetle mm-hmm. and that being a problem is they think, well, you know, I've, I've seen those Lindens. I mean, there's little leaf Linden that lies the entrance to, um, to UNO in Omaha. And oh goodness, by August, they look rough because there's such Japanese beetle being feeded on them. But that's little leaf Linden. Mm-hmm. They don't Japanese beetle doesn't tend to bother American linden nearly as much. So I think that we are safe to plant it. Um, If you have heavy populations of Japanese beetle, you know, maybe consider an American elm. But but we have really great luck with them. It's a beautiful tree. The cool thing about how many trees we can grow here is that, you know, we don't need to line a street with one tree. Um, I, I know that it makes a cool statement, but... Um, if we line a street with trees and then we attract all these Japanese beetles, we're going to see it a lot more than if our neighborhood has one linden and yep. a couple elm um, and a few different things. So when we talk about the heavy pest pressures, a lot of times diversity can really, really help. Okay, so our next one is one that I pushed for getting featured on our social media <laughs> not too long ago. A honey locust. Mm-hmm. And I like this the just the original honey locust but we don't always want those in our landscape so what would you recommend with this well i do love just the old inner miss which means the thornless because whoa we have some straight honey locusts along our creek on the farm oh those are some mean thorns really mean yes i got some good photos at wilderness park i like them i like it it's like nature fighting back yeah (laughs) there you go take that i got one through the shoot through my shoe as a kid Uh one time and i had to sit down in the creek and pull this thorn out of my foot so i am partial to the thorn list Uh myself Uh i think I'm sure that there's a ton of benefit to the thorn, thornful ones, thorn, <laughs> thorny ones, um, but I I would prefer them in a windbreak, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you needed trees where you had a heavy deer population, I could see that working. Yeah. Then you're not going to have any rubbing. But yes, in our communities, probably not for the best. But but um, it, but when it comes to the seedless, I I don't mind the seed. I know you know when it if people are really into the no mess trees, this is the first one that comes to mind when it comes to seedless and thornless because these leaves are the size of a fingernail, so they're just disperse. There's no leaf cleanup. Um, it's a beautiful shade. It's not a full shade, but it's a nice filtered, um, just kind of a just a nice soft shade it's really a beautiful tree Mm -hmm. and one of the first to color up in the fall so you get that bright burst of yellow that um, really lets you know that fall's here yeah to me honey locust is like an easy tree to just enjoy Mm -hmm. you can just look at it and so (laughs) versatile too i mean if you're have an overwatered lawn it'll tolerate that if you have um a dry zone uh, it'll tolerate that so it's just I mean, you see them everywhere in medians for a reason. They're they're tough. They're very tough. You've just given me an idea. I just had a Zoom call today with a project that's trying to plant some street trees in a really tough spot. And I think I'm going to send them an email mm-hmm. and say we should look at some honey locusts. Mm, they're a tough one. 
with thorns. <laughs> <laughs> it's a business district, so I'm going to go with no thorns. <laughs> but seeds. We'll keep the seeds. No shopping for you. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about seedless trees. Uh-huh. Um, and I think honey locust is a good example because people will ask for seedless, but I'm not sure I understand why the seeds are so harmless to start with. Um, and I just, I, I don't know how you feel about this, either of you. I worry about these seedless um, trees that are sterile, mm-hmm. um, that they're what we're putting out into the ecosystem. Um, and yes, trees provide so many other benefits. The flowers are not the only thing they provide. But I just get worried about that sometimes if, if too much of our tree population were to become sterile, what that would do. I think you're onto something there. Um, and it, as if with anything else, it's all a balance. Um, I understand in the right place to not have those big twisty uh, pods, but I think they're super fun. So even to use them in school settings or, I mean, I, I have some of my favorite memories as a kid are playing with those things and all the fun that we used to have. So they can be a great thing. I know that they're a mess to clean up, but you just pick them up and off they go and, you know, no big deal. Um, Using too much of the thornless or the seedless, because a lot of people, they don't want the mess. I do. I have the same concerns that you have. Um, But I do see in a business district or a shopping area where, you know, you only have one maintenance and and so you have to really stretch yourself out. I understand the use of them there. But so as long as we balance it out for the right right place. I think about how what a schoolyard would be without trees that make something to play with. I mean. What would you do without helicopters to throw off the swing set? Or, you know, uh, we collected all of those things and they became something to play with. And And the music you can create. Oh, they're so fun. And that's almost all that I hear from schools anymore when they want to plant trees is it can't drop anything. It can't drop anything. And while I understand we don't want to put a walnut over a parking lot or a hickory on, you know, a playground with severe nut allergies, we... We need something what, mm-hmm. for the kids to play with and observe. Mm-hmm. And Can I tell you my latest pet peeve? <laughs> I'm driving by all these schools this summer before school started, and a few of the elementary schools are working on their pavement, their paved path that they have. And I came to the Forest Service from working in schools, and the biggest complaint was kids aren't active enough at recess or whatever they just go outside and they stand there and I always said well because what do you give them to do and at the school I was at the kids were not allowed to run on the playground it was against the rules because they were worried about them getting injured but they raised like an ungodly amount of money to put in a paved path where the kids had to do one lap before they were allowed to do anything else so that they would be physically active at recess but imagine if you just put out some trees uh-huh, <laughs> and said, uh-huh. go play in the trees, uh-huh. get the seed pods, like make a game out of it. Oh, we need everyone to bring in 10 seed pods this afternoon for math class or whatever uh-huh. it is. But we just are so removed from nature where they can raise all this money for these paved paths and then they come to us to plant like three trees don't have any funding to do it we provide the funding which we're happy to do and then have a problem with every tree that we want to plant and now i will get off my soapbox yeah (laughs) i'll counter it with a happy story have either of you been to the elementary school in clarkson 
Okay. I mean, I know rural schools do things different, and, and we're talking about a different setting um, where you have a really tight connection between the and more a little easier to build trust between teachers and parents and, and kids that know the rules. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. we, we can remove some safety issues. That school does outdoor play so well. They have a creek. Uh, with a dinosaur skeleton that the kids showed me how to excavate. It is, in fact, bovine so in cool. nature, oh, <laughs> not a dinosaur. So cool. uh, but I got to excavate the dinosaur with them for a little bit. And they plant um, sunflowers in a, in a circle uh-huh. every year mm-hmm. to make a little playroom. Sure. And mm-hmm. those kids come in so sweaty. There is no lack of play there. And they didn't build any of that. that I mean, no one purposefully put that cow in the creek. It's just there. And the kids found it and they encouraged them to explore it. Mm-hmm. And they showed me all these all these rocks with bugs under them. And it was so much. I didn't want to leave. I was like, yeah. I'll come. I'll be your classroom aid forever. Uh-huh. <laughs> Good. I'm glad to hear it. Uh-huh. I guess I have to move to Clarkson. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is so encouraging. All right, back to trees, I guess. <laughs> What's the next one we should plant? And would this be good on a playground? All right, next up is we have chinkapin. And I would love to see more of these on a playground because there's acorns. Mm-hmm. And for kids to can make the connection between an acorn and a tree, there I can't believe how many adults have that disconnect between, oh, these actually come from a tree? No, and to they see sprout them? out of the grass. Yes. <laughs> okay, but podcast listeners got to hear live time me figure out that pine nuts were actually from pine. <laughs> oh no oh no <laughs> i really just thought it was Wait, not what? a right name i thought it was a like a it, you know i don't know what i thought it was <laughs> light just went off yeah. yep there it was yeah uh but chinkapin is a great medium-sized oak when it comes to oaks because everybody knows red oak and bur oak and swamp white and those are excellent shade trees but chinkapin is kind of underutilized underrated um it's a nice medium-sized oak and the acorn is small on it so the blue jays clean it off it sets acorns every year and it's tiny acorns about the size of your tip of your finger maybe um and so then it brings in blue jays. And what's super fun is when you know when they're ready because, whoa, is it loud. The squawking, the fighting over the acorns, it's so entertaining. So, um, And I, I'm working with a um, retirement home, and they, they want to add a lot of bird activity for the residents. Mm-hmm. To you know, They have these great big walls of windows, so there's lots of activity. So we're going to plant chinkapins and dwarf chinkapins, and we're going to bring it all in so they can watch all the entertainment and the... Um, bird arguments that are going to go on over territory so that's a great tree i love that so that's a good one we get a lot of questions people have planted their pollinator habitat and they're loving the observation they want to move on to birds Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's a great direction to go if you are a bird watcher or a want to be bird watcher get some acorns absolutely and the small ones because then they'll go after them the the bur oaks and the red oaks that's a bigger acorn and so um that, that's good for a lot of things for mammals for um things like that but not quite the blue jays and the the smaller birds so so it's fun i really never thought about that but the i mean how would a blue jay get a bur oak open mm-hmm. it's not going to happen mm-hmm. and but if the squirrels love them the squirrels can't yeah mm-hmm. and that's an entertainment of itself oh it is yes <laughs> fully yeah. um we have a squirrel that lives in our front yard named conky wonky oh and i love it <laughs> he drops acorns sometimes didn't you say that Silas says they're all conky wonky? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So naughty squirrels are conky wonkies and friendly squirrels are apples. Oh. There's only two squirrels in the world. They're oh. either They're odd one, one of those. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Categorizing. Good, yeah. good. All right. What's up last? Because we're just covering a few here mm-hmm. in this, and then we'll move on to some other trees. So we're covering quite a few genuses here, which is yeah. good when we talk about gene or when we talk about diversity. So uh, last up to talk about for a good shade tree has got to be a sycamore. We got to talk about sycamore. Love a big majestic sycamore. They are my favorite, mm-hmm. and I they, I have a lot of favorites, but they're like my favorite favorite. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, I don't have any more room for trees, so I'm so happy that my neighbors across the street have a beautiful sycamore that I just get to sit and admire. I like Mm -hmm. to sit out on my porch and watch it, and uh, Mm -hmm. it's just, that bark is something else. Mm -hmm. And it's a great out-the-window kind of tree in the winter months. It's just so pretty, so pretty. And so many times people, especially in residence, will say it's too big. That that one's just going to get too big. But I've seen streets in Omaha where... They're in a street trees and the shade that they cast over that neighborhood. It just sets the the tone of the neighborhood. It's what a beautiful place to live. What a great place. I think size of street tree gets misleading because we have the same thing in Wahoo, a line of sycamores and they're maybe only 10 feet apart, mm-hmm. maybe 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in an eight foot, you know, right away. Um, they are huge trees, but the benefit of that is their lowest branches are above anything that would bother you. They're above yep. your front porch. They're almost above the power lines. Mm-hmm. So, yes, they're big, but sometimes, you know, big solves the problems that we think we're trying to solve with small trees. Yep. I'm always amazed at sycamores at how much branch structure they can support with, like, what seems to me to be a pretty small trunk Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you look at like oaks and their trunks are just giant Mm -hmm. and and of course then they stretch and stretch and that's beautiful Mm -hmm. but sycamores will really stretch as well and then they're like i just have this one skinny leg Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the man the branches i mean they're almost as as wide as that trunk is and and as far out as they can reach it's just amazing the tension that is within that branch Mm -hmm. to keep it up i i think it's fascinating so um, they do drop bark. They're a peely bark tree. That's mm-hmm. half of what is so cool about them is their bark peels and leaves a white wood underneath. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a problem with that. I find that to be so flaky that either you can just hit it with the lawnmower or you could sweep it up. It's not going to damage anything for mm-hmm. sure when it falls. It's mm-hmm. not corky bark. And it's natural for it to shed. Right. I've gotten concerned okay. calls about, oh, my, my oh, tree yeah. is shedding. <laughs> it's supposed um, to do yes, that. Yes, it does yeah. that. <laughs> And my daughters love to make fairy towns, and they use that bark, that shedding, as their roofs. We used to use it as paper. Ah. As kids, we would draw on it. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. yes, it would make good roofs. Uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. A couple weeks ago, we were floating it down the um, curb in the rain. Oh, it perfect. made a good boat. Yes. Yeah. What about the balls? Because the, it, it does, its seed comes in balls. They're mm-hmm. pretty much fluff. They do. Uh, once they, they hang all winter, so they're up there. So once they start hitting the ground in the spring, they do just kind of disseminate and they're gone. And it just kind of, they fluff out and off they go. It's not a hard, um, like, nut, which it can be deceiving during the winter months to think like, ooh, those are going to drop and that's going to hurt. But they're not, it's a soft. And each one of those is a tiny little seed. So when you compress that, it's hundreds of seeds in that ball. Yeah, I like to step on them. 
Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, because yep. they just poof and yep. they just yeah. Yep. So you could easily just leave them mow over yeah. if mm-hmm. you have grass underneath. Just mm-hmm. just ignore them and let them do their thing. Yeah. Because also they don't spread. It's not like then you know sometimes with our maples, right? That you just oh, have right. that they come up all over in your flower <laughs> yeah. beds. And oh yeah, it's not that. No, you won't run into that problem with sycamores. I don't think I, I was just thinking about it and I've occasionally when the fluff has blown into a pile you know like my garage caught it I've scooped that up I don't think I've ever pulled sycamore seedlings out of Mm-mm. my flower pot. I pull maples out of my flower pots like crazy mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever pulled a sycamore mm-hmm. they can be a tricky one to germinate they take a little bit of patience so yeah they're not gonna be a nuisance that is a surprise benefit I hadn't thought about. So from our perspective, tricky to germinate is not necessarily a good thing. We, we kind of count on that germination. But the tricky to germinate things are the less likely to, to cause you problems Be in the grief, landscape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those maples, I'm done with them. I, that thing is driving me nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm constantly pulling red oaks. Really? Oh my gosh, just everywhere. And I know Nick won't let you pull red oaks. <laughs> he makes you dig them. Uh, uh-huh. I have five if anyone needs one. Oh, they goodness. are growing in buckets because I'm not allowed to throw oh. <laughs> oak seedlings. Good for you. Good for you. Oh, yeah. The squirrel worked really hard to plant that. Okay, so those are some of our go-to ones, but now we want to talk a little bit about some unused trees, or, or I guess not unused, but less used, so, and unique trees. Um, so these are just fun ones where we're going to go a little, a little wild. so the first one up is actually one of my favorites a tulip tree Mm -hmm. and i love them because of how old they are right so they go right in line with ginkgo Mm -hmm. where they can be they've we've seen them in fossil evidence um so they go yeah they're they're a very old species um and so when i was doing education i would always tell the kids like we probably are looking at a tree that at one point dinosaurs ate. Not this tree, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but a type of tree. Mm-hmm. And then what can we learn about dinosaurs based on knowing that they ate this tree? Right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. trying to relate it all back together. But I love tulip trees, they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's a great big shade tree, but it's so unique looking with the leaf. It's just. It's in a great fall color, a nice yellow fall color, but the shape's beautiful. Um, I am hesitant to recommend it into too many places across Nebraska. I think the further west we go and further north, and when we get a little drier um, and more windswept, it can have a little bit more trouble. Um, but it does surprise me some of the places that I find a tulip tree, and it's a fantastic discovery when you find one that's like, oh, who knew? Like, yes, a tulip tree. I think there's some surprising ones in affiliate sites further nice. west, and I'm looking forward. I really hope Toby's been talking about getting some affiliates to tell us some of the specimens they have nice. so that we could make a map and say, we know there's a tulip tree this far west. Because it does surprise us, and and um, it can find little pockets yep. where even if you're you know pretty north, you might have this little microclimate spot where mm-hmm. it's super happy. My daughter and I just went to North Carolina this summer for a little fun little girl's trip. And there was tulip tree coming up in the cracks. I mean, we were (laughs) thrilled about everyone we found. But by the third day, it's like, 
oh, just another tulip tree. <laughs> but the first day, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I mean, it's just such a beautiful tree. Mm-hmm. Once again, right tree, right place. Yes. To yes. us, we're like seeking it out. And to them, they're, that it's their it's maple. Mm-hmm. That they're mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. i got to keep mm-hmm. working on this one. Mm-hmm. Okay, so our next one is one of my personal favorites, hop hornbeam. And these trees I love. Um, We have a tradition with our friends. We float the Niobrara River every summer. We've been doing it for a very long time. And that that river is just lined with hop hornbeams. And so they're kind of like a core part of that memory to me that the Niobrara River is lined with hop hornbeams, you know, just east of Valentine. And I think they're so neat. There's one right outside our building. It's not a big tree. It's a little different on this list um, because it's not super large. I think it's when you could tuck into a yard that was starting to run out of tree space. But we're really creative people, so we find a little more. Mm -hmm. You can always fit a tree in. So when you say hop hornbeam, because I get this a lot from our customer base of of hornbeam and hop hornbeam, ostrea and carpinus. So when you say hop hornbeam, are you speaking of ironwood or ostrea yes yes <laughs> so that is a true native to nebraska i had yes. to double check yes, yes. that's yes. the one i'm talking yes. about so we also call that ironwood and that has the hop in its name because it has these little papery hops that hang in the tree and you find it all over nebraska in shaded areas but we've planted it in full sun dry spots and i can't believe how well it performs it's a great little 30 to 40 foot tree um yeah, it's, it's a super cool tree. And papery, like it almost yeah. has a papery feel to the leaves. It's it's a, just a cool texture tree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My husband and I got our horticultural start together growing hops. And nice. so that tree's always been fun for us. That Look, it looks like hops. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Can you make beer out of it? No. <laughs> I tasted one once. It doesn't taste very good. Not a good beer. I think <laughs> that's the key there. That's fair. You could make a beer. You might not want to drink it. <laughs> Just like everyone always asking, can you make coffee from a Kentucky coffee tree? <laughs> you could. Not good coffee. Yeah. Yeah. That is what I say. Because mm-hmm. they did make coffee from it, a tea, yep. at least, mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, but only out of desperation. <laughs> yes. But it does have the smell. So I understand their comfort that they found in it. Because when you grind that seed, it absolutely smells like coffee. It's so bitter, though. I always kind of wondered, I'm not a coffee drinker, I'm kind of weird, so I I don't have that attachment to it, but I have really distinct memories. Our doctor's office growing up had them planted outside the front door, and we would always pick them up and open them up and dig out the green goo, Uh (laughs) and I don't know why that was so fascinating. I think kids like anything that's gooey. Uh Um, We just loved collecting those at the doctor's Mm -hmm. office and bringing them home to crack open. Mm -hmm. Don't you love the memories that trees spark? Mm-hmm. Like, they're all in there. It, there is such a beautiful thing yeah. that trees give us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you eat the goo? <laughs> I, ha- I don't remember eating the goo, but... Did I- you make your brother? <laughs> I don't remember. I know we had this soup we would make with green walnuts um, and the goo and all sorts of other probably nasty things. Uh-huh. Oh, I love it. Okay, so you want to flip that and talk yes. about hornbeam then? Yes, Or musclewood? Yes. Okay. Teach me. Musclewood. Musclewood, ironwood, hop hornbeam, hornbeam. So confusing. Yeah. I, I knew that one as musclewood. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or at least that's the, I'm sure I got taught all of them, but that's uh-huh. one that stuck in my head because how weird. And it's so physically descriptive of that uh-huh. tree. Uh-huh. 
But have you seen the way that the bark twists? And it looks like tendons. It is. It's a really beautiful tree. Very, very awesome. And it's the same. It, it can be kind of treated the same where it's a partly understory tree, but it can tolerate full sun. I've seen it struggle the most on a cold, windswept site, um, which is right where I have mine. <laughs> and it has had really bad winter winter dieback, but then it, it comes right back out. Um, the fall color is beautiful, a nice orange, kind of a yellow to orange, just starts red, but then we get a freeze and it's done and it drops. Um, so it, um, and, and it's named musclewood because of the twisting that it has, but it's a nice medium, small to medium sized tree. So what's the scientific name on that one? So we've got Astraya is mm-hmm. what I was calling hot porn bean. Hot porn bean, that's correct. And then this one is Carpinus Carolinia. Okay. Carolinia. Oh, I did know that name. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So they get really easily confused. Yep. Yeah, so. Mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. You better take the next one since it's your favorite. Okay. And then my favorite, Black Cherry. Hi. Mm-hmm. Um, this is another one that when people are like, what tree should I plant? I'm like, a Black Cherry. And they're like, mm-hmm. you don't know anything about the site. I was like, plant Black Cherry. <laughs> I don't care. Just plant it. I think everyone should have one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Except don't, because then the diversity, well, then we'll run into that. But I love black cherry. They're hard to find. Like, you won't find them planted in the community. So to encourage people to plant them, I think, is okay, because it builds up the prunus genus diversity piece. Yeah, it's my favorite to recommend, even though it's a little bit bigger when people are saying like, well, I really love the um, calorie pear blooms. Mm, (laughs) And I say, well, you know what also has a beautiful white spring bloom? And that is a black cherry. Yep. It doesn't smell like cat pee. (laughs) There. Bingo. Hit it on the head. Uh Yeah, so it's my go-to recommendation, even though it's maybe... Oh, it's about the same size. It's like a 40-footer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the internet will tell us it'll get bigger, but that's to the east and the south. Mm -hmm. Here in Nebraska, I would say 40 feet is probably a decent size for a black cherry. I think it is one of the perfect, like, front of your house tree. It's Mm -hmm. a statement piece, Mm -hmm. a black cherry. Mm Mm-hmm. And the dark purple bark on it, um, the fall color is almost like this really light yellowy orange it's just it's kind of in a description of its own i don't see too many that have that same color it's a really nice fall color i love the bark yeah i I do can you eat it that's the important question Mm, i don't think you should i think the seed actually is poisonous okay that would be good to know they should not name things after edible stuff (laughs) Uh that is not i mean (laughs) well it's edible (laughs) you can make jams and jellies but there's other prunus that have the seed is not good to eat yes uh i don't think you'll get any because right. <laughs> valid point valid point yeah i don't think it'll be a problem because the birds and the yep. squirrels and everything mm-hmm. else will get to it before you ever even notice there's anything on there um i have also heard that the leaves cause numbing yes yes mm-hmm. so that's fun so there's a few things there yeah <laughs> But if you ever can't make it to the dentist, like it's closed over the weekend, there just you grab that black cherry leaf. Just you'll be you'll be in good shape. There you go. <laughs> Non-medical <laughs> advice for you. <laughs> Speaking of edible things, so I did look up hophorn meme. It says uh-huh. no, you decidedly should not make beer out of it. Okay, there you but go. But 
the seeds are edible and tasty, which I did not know. Huh. I've never paid that much attention to the seed because they're kind of in that yeah. pillowy fluff. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. Good to know. Well, one last thing about black cherry. When I have people that ask about birds that are really into bird habitat, um, that's my go-to. Reason being is it is a um, one of the key larval hosts. So, so many things, bird or moss, butterflies can lay their eggs on a black cherry. You know, some, some insects are specific to a certain host plant. This is like a smorgasbord. Everybody can lay their eggs on a black cherry, just like they can a baroque. So you get, um, it's like high on the list when it comes to those key stone species that prunus is and black cherry specifically so um, you're gonna have your larval host which birds have to have caterpillars to rear their young so you have to have caterpillars around and that black cherry that one black cherry can host so many different caterpillars so it's wonderful and then you get and it's a pollinator because you got these great blooms so then it's a pollinator host and then you have the fruit so the birds love it so kind of sounds like it does everything it does what's the downside don't eat the leaves. Don't eat the leaves. <laughs> or your face will be numb. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I have heard stories of deer who have not learned not to eat the leaves, and they come out of the woods f- mouth foaming, and people think they're rabid. <laughs> but really, they just accidentally ate black cherry, and they can't keep the drool in their mouth. <laughs> Interesting. Maybe they had a toothache. Yeah. So then do you think the deer learn to stay away? Like, would it be a good, you know, again, when you have high deer population and you want trees? I bet they do, you know, because it doesn't happen. It's not like, oh, the deer found the black cherry again. (laughs) Like, you don't hear it all the time. You know, like we have the stories of the squirrels getting drunk off the fermented Uh fruit. Uh Um, Uh So it's just fun every so often. Yeah. Yeah. Wildlife do crazy things. So I think even though we went out of the box on those trees, maybe some things people haven't heard of or hadn't thought of, they were still pretty um, open. You know, as long as you have the conditions, that's a great tree to plant. The last on our list is a whole genus that you might need to consider a little more where you plant, um, and that's hickories. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only the reason you need to think about it is the nuts. But if you're into um, food in your yard, hickory would be an excellent choice. Mm-hmm. I just went for it. So I have one planted in my front yard. I understand it's going to drop nuts on my bedroom <laughs> and probably my neighbor's house. Um, I guess I'll just move. But I, don't think they're, I mean, I don't think they're very heavy bearing. Yeah. I don't think it's going to be like the way burrow can kind of just right. layer your your yard. Um, yeah, I'm just go. I'm going for it. I got yeah, my bitter nut hickory, and, and then next to it is my black cherry. Nice. And then I have my prairie garden. I'm just like everyone come to me except for people. Yes, <laughs> yes. Only, only, bring in all the critters, only wildlife. Yes. <laughs> Yes, I all the hickories are completely underutilized and so beautiful. And the fall color on them, the leaf texture, they're just so unique in their own and um, really beautiful trees and strong wood. Um, and something to think about, too, um, like pecan fits that. It's in the carrier group, too. Um, you can use them for nut production, but unless you have pollinators around to help move some pollen around they are self-pollinating but the more pollen you have you know and that's why they set up nut orchards mm-hmm. so that you have a lot of pollen movement but if you're the only one or 
you're not going to get a lot of nuts, you know, and even pecans, we have a really hard time collecting pecans because the blue jays get to them and the squirrels get to them. So again, I don't, I don't think you'll struggle with them hitting the ground and being a problem. And how long does it take one of those trees to start bearing? I mean, you're not, you're not gonna plant a hickory this year and start having problems with nuts in no, two years. I want to say it's generally like 18 to 25 years. It's it's pretty yeah, long. That's close to the lifespan of how long people are in their houses. Oh, I think that's like five now, isn't it? Don't they say? Like, <laughs> Something crazy. There's all kinds of movement now. <laughs> we bought our house. But. I said, I'm not moving until I have to. But uh-huh. there's people that are moving a lot. So yeah. uh, I'm thinking right now, I just want, I just have to say, because it's October, we're going to start forgetting about how hot it was. Uh-huh. Um, I am so grateful to the people who lived in our house before for the trees they planted, uh, especially yeah. on our bedrooms on the west side of the house, but they made sure it was fully shaded. And we're trying to return that. We've got 20-year-old crab apples, so we've started planting other things around the yard. And it's it can be hard because by the time we get to tree planting season we're not suffering the heat anymore mm-hmm. so just remember how hot you were in, <laughs> in the end of august in august <laughs> it was 104 degrees on the day that we're recording uh-huh. this actual temperature, actual temperature not uh-huh. heat index plant a tree for the people who even even if it's the people that live in your house after you because mm-hmm. somebody planted the tree for you exactly or they didn't and you're suffering <laughs> yeah where they did, and it was an ash. That's what I ran into. <laughs> so it's been an expensive landscape, uh. let me tell you. But that's okay. Um, I also feel like I want to point out hickory is remains a really important tree to Great Plains native tribes. Uh, it was uh, when when the tribes were still traveling among the Great Plains, they sought out hickory self-planted orchards i think they even did plant some themselves as winter food sources Mm -hmm. and they would use hickory nuts of all types so this is a great way as well to connect with native groups Uh, we have had some uh, native groups reach out to us and ask one to be able to plant them because they're a hard tree to find in the trade Mm -hmm. so um, we're sending them to great plains and some that we have and then also where they can collect the nuts Mm -hmm. uh, so that they can use them for their recipes that they have Mm -hmm. so it's a great tree Mm -hmm. something i learned from bob too was um we would collect hickory for seed to grow seedlings um, and you have to crack off the there's the shell around the nut and people see that but there's also like the fleshy shell Mm -hmm. around that shell and we would keep those parts too they make an excellent dye Mm -hmm. but we would dry them out and he would take them home and throw them in his grill Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I do that now. Mm-hmm. So it's just like such, a, there's so many uses and I'm sure there's more that I don't even know about. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's a good group of trees, but they're no good to us if we don't know how to plant them <laughs> or if we plant them wrong. And I am just as guilty of this as everyone else. You know, you think it's easy to plant a tree, but it isn't always. So what are some tips you have from tree planting expert? How should we plant trees? What what's the what's the like main things to get right for a successful tree planting? Okay, main things to get right. Green side up. You always <laughs> yes. start with that. Um, main thing would be not to plant too deep. 
um, plant it the same height that it is in the pot or find the flare. Find, so dig around in the container or grow bag or whatever it's in, dig around and find your natural flare. The flare is where the top root meets up with the stem or the trunk. Um, so that's your pl proper planting depth or even a hair high. So the main thing is to make sure your bottom of your hole is solid. If you're using an auger to plant, an auger loosens the bottom of a hole and it might be deceiving to think that it's solid on the bottom. Well, that tree will wind up sinking after you water it and you we never want that. So solid bottom of the hole, dig your hole twice as wide so that what you're backfilling is nice and soft, really easy for that tree to root right into it and to take off. It makes that transplant just go a little bit faster. Um, so the wider you make it, the better off and the nice softer soil. So um, one of my favorite tools to use in planting is a stump grinder to loosen up that hole really just grinds and pulverizes that soil so that you can just use a shovel or a rake and like rake out that hole. And then you're just backfilling with nice, soft material. Brilliant. Mm. That's why you're the expert. Mm. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't get to do that as often as I would love. But in a perfect scenario, that's a great way to do it. Um, but there's also little um, tiller machines that you can use that work really nice for that. Um, and then backfill with the same material. If you backfill with like some nice potting mix that you bought at the hardware store or um, nice topsoil or something, but the rest of the soil is crummy, uh, the tree, it's just like you just planted it in a container in the ground. It has no incentive to grow outside of that hole, that this beautiful little spot you made it. So really, um, if you need some soil amendment, amend on a larger scale and do that a season prior to planting. You know, really prep that site of working in compost, working in mulch layers, things like that. Um, and then so backfilling with the same material, any extra that you have of the soil, use that to create a nice little donut, almost like a swale around that hole so that when it does rain or when you water it, it really collects and lets that water sink in versus running off into the neighboring soil. Um, and then mulch, 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 not fabric. Mulch, mulch. Um, two inches of mulch, keep it away from the trunk. Um, you know, if we volcano it or um, mound it up against the trunk, we can lead to decay and um, roots coming up for air. All kinds of issues can arise. So keep the mulch away. Using the mulch as a blanket. Think of it as a blanket to help moderate the soil temperature and moisture. Um, it's just a nice comfy, cozy blanket you're putting on top. Um, it does not need to be replied every year, as some people think, and so they just keep mounding it and thickening up. It's almost an every other year thing as it starts to break down, but mulch adds great soil composition. Um, it aerates the soil. It's just a, it's a really nice thing. Um, and then stake if you need to, put on a trunk guard if you need to. If you have, we've, the last two winters, we've had a lot of reports in the spring of rabbit damage in urban settings. Um, we used to not worry too much about trunk guards, but now we're putting them on every planting. Um, just too, min too much pressure with that. I created Fort Knox around my trees this last winter because the rabbits mm -hmm. were out of control. So I chicken wired those mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. There was nothing getting to them. Good for you. <laughs> they were, oh. they were they doing it. They can be it. an awful pest. Rabbits are a problem. Oh. Thankfully, the dog takes care of them in the backyard, but in the front yard, mm -hmm. they were going to town. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I see people forget to do is to remove that nursery stake that's yes. keeping it upright in the pot. That's mm -hmm. not meant to be planted with no. it. No. Sometimes if it's a young tree, so we really encourage planting young trees. They're just fun. They're easy. They're engaging. 
to plant and you can actively see them grow, you know, year to year and see a difference. So you're just like have this investment in that tree, but they do come with a stake because they're helping to guide them up. That stake can be left on for maybe six months. If you leave it on through, I do recommend for that next spring because we always have heavy spring winds and we've just seen where they can get floppy and then people try to kind of brace them themselves, but it's not intended to be on there longer than that. So it does need to come off. Same thing if you would put two T-posts on the outside, if you're planting a larger tree or a little bit older tree, then um, that's intended to be on there kind of for that first season to combat our winds. But we don't want that to be a crutch for the tree. It needs to root in. It needs to feel some movement from our wind. Our problem is that we get storms with 60 mile an hour winds that blow through and all the new rooting that tree just did snapped when it leaned. So those are the things that we have to kind of prepare for in the longevity of the trees, but we have to remember to come back uh, six months later, a year later and take them off. We see a lot of problems in projects where we will go back to visit and, you know, five years later, they still have the original staking on them oh, no. um, and they haven't even loosened the ties. Oh, I no. uh, So it, these are temporary solutions to get your tree started. They are not meant for the life of the tree. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Justin introduced me to a biodegradable tie so that should it will last for two years, but should somebody should forget, break. it should snap. Um, after it's been in the sun for a while. Um, You shouldn't need that. (laughs) You should be able to take off your stakes at home, but sometimes in big park settings where it's sometimes one tree gets forgotten. It's a good safety. Mm -hmm. I was... Or water bags that haven't been filled since Uh, the tree was planted. (laughs) Oh, I know. Yes, filling the gator bag on day one does not water your tree (laughs) forever. I was going to share, we saw an interesting rabbit problem at one of our affiliates or or our project sites up in South Sioux City this winter, where the snow stayed high up on the trees and it brought the rabbits up above the trunk guards Mm -hmm. and decimated their orchard. And I don't, I should share the story because it's kind of scary. It was a really unique situation, but um, I've got trunk guards sitting behind us and we usually cut these in four Mm -hmm. um, because we're really only, you know, they're like... They're four, four feet tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we cut them in, into one foot sections so that, because we were really only trying to guard against rabbits. Sometimes all four feet could be helpful. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For us, we use those same ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we usually take them down to three feet or two because we're going right underneath that first branch. Right. Um, but yes, the snow and they can get up and they stand up on their back legs. Oh, yeah, we've seen. They were really confused diagnosing this problem because they're like, it looks like rabbit damage, but it's three feet in the How air. How big are these Where rabbits? Where are these rabbits coming from? <laughs> yeah. And it, but who would have thought? Who would have thought there'd be that much snow? I mean, when's the last time that happened for them? I mean, it's been this orchard is almost 10 years old so and that's the other i read that article and yeah. saw the photos oh so it devastating. was really sad i love that project i love that group um, and for I'm, how old those trees were that's so unusual yeah they were i mean most of those trees were a solid five years old yeah. some of them were older and and you should you're usually starting to think you're safe from rabbits you might exactly so yeah. they have a big deer fence right i mean there's no deer getting in that orchard so it's a really sad um story but yes trunk guards for the price, they're really helpful. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I was going to say another thing to remember to take off is there is no nursery packaging that is acceptable to put in the ground. No. <laughs> there is some some old ideas that you can just plant 
the wire baskets and, and the burlap. And there is nothing wrapped around your tree's roots that le- comes from the nursery that you should put in the ground. Mm-hmm. Nothing. None. Mm-hmm. Well said. That's exactly right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have been to a project site or two where we inspected afterwards. We're like, do you think we can pull that burlap out without? <laughs> mm-hmm. like, we're just like, well, this isn't going to work. I've heard so many stories where, you know, a 15-year-old landscape is getting renovated and all the burlap is completely still intact. You know, it's supposed to break down and the twine that's used to tie it on around the trunk, it's supposed to break down, but it doesn't. There's a, a prairie here on campus that I know I went seed collecting with Bob. It's just a, a little section of prairie. They seeded it, and they put down that straw with oh. the plastic twine holding it together. Mm-hmm. And this is a new product. It's just a biodegradable plastic netting. Mm-hmm. And we're to our seed collecting, and we found some. And Bob's like, they planted this in 1993. And I was like, I was born in 1993. This twine is as old as I am. And it was supposed to degrade in a year. And it's, uh, we just found it, it clearly been like wrapped up in mowers. Wow. So, I mean, there's just no, if it's not a plant, it doesn't go in your ground. Yeah. I agree. (laughs) All right, Sarah, it's that time and we're getting into fall. So we'll ask the question two ways, either what's blooming or what's your plant of the week? Okay. It's not blooming. So it's going to be my plant of the week. And that's my goldenrod. And it's kind of funny to say it's not blooming the first week of October because everyone else's is. But I have one of the earliest blooming goldenrods, the sweet goldenrod, Solidega adora, which I love. Um, it smells like like anise or licorice. So I don't know that it's as sweet as the name sounds. It's, it's very spicy. Um, and it blooms. It started blooming in late July. It was turning yellow. Now it's in the seed pod stage and it sort of just like dries itself. It's like I like to put it in dried flower arrangements because it just dries itself on the stem and the seeds are just little puffs. Um, And so I love it this time of year. It's getting all fluffy and and fuzzy while other things in my garden are, are not quite at the, you know, seed, you know. I love I love when that's seeded out and my big blue stems got seeds on it and all that fall color is starting mm-hmm. and it's the first one to really do that for me. So Heather, what is your are you gonna go with plant of the week or fall color? Well, I kind of put them together. The plant of the week that I can think of that would be fall color, I'm, I'm probably going to be way off this year, but like the beginning of October, what I start thinking is coloring up. My first one that comes to mind is prairie gold aspen. is always starting to shine. Um, and it's so brilliant yellow. Um, then the black cherries are starting. The ash are starting. Uh, you know, just everything's kind of starting to color up. But um, it seems like the yellow's always first. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Like all uh-huh. the yellow colors start and then mm-hmm. like red's the last one to show mm-hmm. up. The true reds. Yep. So, um, well, and honey locust is always one of your first ones. And that's usually mid-September or, I mean, as soon as we hit like 50 degrees, they're like, oh, fall. <laughs> like, <laughs> my turn. And here they come. But then their leaves are gone. By, the, by late October, they're already dropped all their leaves. And red oaks are like, what? It's fall? When? And, you know, that's not till like late October into November that they start coloring up. So I do love the succession of colors that you can create within your landscape. Um, but yeah, early October is like prime time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
All right, I'm going to talk about two of my favorites because you know how I like to combine things <laughs> for my colors. And that is my Lady in Black Aster and my Goldenrod, Fireworks Goldenrod, because they just spill together and create this beautiful complementary colors because the Lady in Black has a little pink, a little white. The, the leaves are like darker, greenish blue almost. And then the Fireworks Goldenrod just explodes yellow into the mix so it's a really fun mix that I enjoy a lot that I would like to say I did on purpose but you know just kind of happened and this year actually I had a um, salvia pop up must have seeded itself Hmm. just like kind of pop up in the middle too and I was like you can stay there that's fun yeah Mm -hmm. just keep Mm -hmm. keep doing your thing garden I Mm -hmm. like it Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you, Heather, for joining us. We appreciate it so much. Talking about trees. Where can people find more information about Great Plains Nursery? Uh, well, we're on the web, of course, um, greatplainsnursery.com. Um, you can come visit. Um, we are just north of Valparaiso, about a 35-minute drive north of Lincoln. Um, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram. So if you want to follow along. How about TikTok? <laughs> no, That's not everyone's, the TikTok. Yeah, I know. I have said we're not, not going to TikTok. We'll switch. We'll add a NSA TikTok right when it becomes not cool, which yeah, it I, might already be I there. Think we're on that <laughs> yeah. cusp already. Now it's, what is it, Be Real? Oh, yeah. yes. yes. I, I know yeah. the be real. Mm-hmm. It's not my thing. I know. I know. <laughs> it's hard to keep up with it. But yes, we do enjoy it. We have a really wonderful marketing manager that puts so much fun content yeah. out there. So uh-huh. we're having yes. a lot of fun. It's worth the follow, worth the visit. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for listening. Please feel free to send in your questions. Don't forget to rate and review us um, and tell other people to listen as much as possible. And Bloombox and Bloombox Growing Deeper are both programs of the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Mm -hmm.